This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 557 for May 3rd, 2017. Folks, welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and joining me, as she uh, is almost every week, Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hey, Glenn. Hey there. It's a quiet week in, uh, in Apple Dumb, as usual, except that um, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and, uh, you know, there's an Apple earnings announcement happening on Tuesday, and we don't expect anything that exciting will happen. There'll be, you know, iPads might sell uh, less or more and there'll be other stuff. But so uh, next week we'll talk about it if there's anything interesting to discuss. But we know that Apple earnings are picked over by uh, pundits and uh, people who want to be pundits, and uh, we'll let them do that. Jason Snell's writing the day, too, so oh, there come we back go. to – Read Jason uh, Snell. By the time you hear this podcast, his analysis will already be up at Macworld. So we'll link that up in the show notes, and you can go read it. Oh, great. Look at charts and things, but um, you know, for the most part, I don't know. I don't know. Sales don't. It's like if Apple were struggling, I'd have more interest in it. But because they have yeah. apparently more cash on hand than the combined foreign <laughs> uh, cash that. reserves of Canada and what was the other country? Oh, I don't even. know. it was like Canada and something else. I mean, these are like foreign France or yeah. like giant, giant countries these that are, do a lot these of are business. Foreign cash reserves, not the cash balance in those countries, but still, it's sort of yeah. ridiculous. Apple is a power and a force unto itself, and for, so for, so far they're on our side. We think they team um, up with Elon Musk, they could take over another planet. It's true. It, well, it might be okay. Um, they'd have to recarve it. They'd use uh, the uh, they'd use they'd uh, remove uh, all the buttons. Curved glass, as far as the eye could see. Yeah, yeah, they could just go to uh, Magrathia, you know, from the Hitchhiker's yes. Guide series, and commission an Apple Glass Planet. Oh my God! With Apple Glass elevators. There we go. I think Reboot. we just started the new Apple rumor. That's Douglas take Adams. The by storm. Douglas Adams was a huge Apple fan, so it's very sad. Uh, let's do some follow up before we get into uh, news stories, um, because we talked about a few things there. There's new information. Should just chat about briefly, uh, Susie. I know um, what's the uh, you know. The German word schadenfreude entered the English language because there's no concept that can be expressed in quite the same way. Like shameful it's such a great joy. word. Shameful joy just doesn't have the same feeling as schadenfreude. Uh, Uber's CEO, Travis Kalanick, uh, canceled his appearance at the Recode Conference, which is uh, Kara Swisher and uh, Walt Mossberg's uh, event that they do. They've been do- they did it as uh, D when it was at the Wall Street Journal. Now it's the Recode event. Uh, and they talk to people who often don't get interviewed, like uh, you know G- Steve Jobs famously would participate, and Tim Cook, and so it's a uh, it's actually some very interesting rare insight. And um, Kara, you know, Walt is not non-aggressive, but Kara is uh, doesn't take crap from anybody, and she just asks the question. So you get some really interesting and sometimes unexpected answers from these um, events, and uh, which come out later. I mean, there's, you know, they're very expensive to attend, but you can get all the information later. Anyway, uh, this is apparently the first time in 15 years of them doing these events that anybody has canceled out, I gather. They had a couple people for like serious health reasons. Um, but no one ever just wussed out because they were afraid to to talk to Kara Swisher. Well, in front and the of report people. is that, uh, the, the internal, uh, report that Uber commissioned about like how supposed bad to be out at the end of April, but they yeah. missed that deadline. So how, so it's probably going to happen at the end of May while the conference is going on. It could overshadow. So I understand that it's a privately held company. So it doesn't have to deal with the, uh, you know, public, uh, disclosure stuff in the same way. They have obligations of course to shareholders, but, um, yeah, well, and, uh, so there you go. Maybe like they said, they would share the details of this investigation, didn't they? But, um, they didn't, you know, 
yeah, he's afraid to sit down and get grilled. And um, she wrote, you know, uh, a, an announcement of this and then just kind of went on to just roast him, like talking about <laughs> all the other CEOs that have come and like talked you know, when things were going on, like Steve Jobs came during, you know, Antenna Gate or whatever. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, the, the CEO of Theranos, of all people, like oh, came yeah. like two days after the Theranos story broke. And just uh, all kinds of people would come in and take their lumps and sit up there and, and be adults. And, and Travis is not going to do that. And yeah, she made fun of him for saying that they said that, you know, he has to be up in Northern California with the employees during this difficult time. And it's like, okay, we're an hour away by plane. Like, so yeah, it's a really good roasting. Like she really gives it to him. That's good. What was, there was another Uber thing this week. I keep losing track of. So there was like in another Uber situation that Oh, well, they're having those um, lawsuits with with Alphabets over uh, Waymo, which is Alphabets' self-driving car. Yeah. So now Uber's um, guy who – his name kind of sounds like – Yeah, yeah. yeah, Lewandowski. He basically can't do any self-driving stuff for for Uber now because he's so enmeshed in this Well, he has to step away from the the LiDAR work in particular, which is what's alleged. That's the whole thing. Like that's that's how self-driving works. And there's allegations that have been reported – uh, so I will note their allegations. They've been reported by reputable news sources that um, his uh, borrowing information and working on things outside of the companies that are paying him go back uh, years further than previously suspected. So um, it, there's also a very interesting thing. Uh, I won't get into it, but it, that the courts are like, look, uh, if Uber is in the lawsuit, like Uber, you know, it's like Uber has to provide the documents because they're subpoenaed um, because they have the documents. They can't not. There's this whole thing about them, uh, the fellow declaring the um, – uh, taking the fifth, which is fine because he's entitled to in depositions and so forth. But uh, uh, Uber is going to have to turn over a lot of information. It's a big, big, ugly situation. There's no simple way out of it. Um, you can't take the fifth for providing documents. Well, yeah, it's like if they have, if Uber has the documents, they have I to. I can't show this to you. Provide them. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that company companies may be more like people these days, unfortunately, but they can't. Uh, they can't take the fifth in quite that way because they can't. Uh, um, but the the thing that is most applicable to uh, iOS users and people in our world is the um, that story that broke in the New York Times about Uber tracking devices. I would wanna, I've been trying to say tagging devices because I think it's clear. So they're not tracking location. Usually when we say tracking, the tracking sounds like location, right? So tagging yeah. devices so that even after uh, per, like persistent tagging of devices, so even after it's wiped. And installed fresh without any restore, the device can be uniquely tracked as a separate uh, thing in a system. So we talked about that last week, and I wrote a piece because I was like, "Look, you know, is this a widespread practice? Does, does some other there are some uh, there's a, an open source library that uh, developers have incorporated into their app that lets them do a certain kinds of persistent user tracking. They specifically call it." A UUID, like a user ID, not a UDID or a device ID, which Apple has banned the use of. Oh. Uh, yeah. So so Apple, you know, there was something called a UDID that was device-specific that developers had access to. And then a few years ago, Apple phased out the use and then banned things that, that had any uh, interaction with it. And it made it impossible within any of the private frameworks even to expose and use the UDID. Um, and there's, and uh, while the Apple App Store review guidelines don't mention this specifically, if you go into the developer a guideline. So being a member of the developer program, it says explicitly you're not allowed to track devices, period, mm-hmm. basically. There's like no ambiguity about it. But it's funny because it's not in the the App Store guidelines don't say it that way. They're much bigger about user tracking. So um, 
So I used to lo- have an app that the whole purpose of the app was to tell you your UDID and make it copyable and pasteable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, um, like, uh, well, it's a lot easier now, but back in the day when you were getting a beta of an unreleased oh, yeah, app from a developer, yeah. a lot of times they would want your UDID and then they would add you to like their, you know, they beta had to do that. To, yeah, yeah. They but now, they, list, yeah. now there's there's better ways to do that and it's not it's not an issue anymore. But yeah, it was like the, there was a whole app that was just like, what's my UDID? And that's all it did was just get that and give it to you. Copy and paste it. So, so the, you could like email it off to someone else. Yeah. And so this idea of like a user trackable ID is less persistent. But the thing that I just discovered in talking to a few people and um and you know apple did not reply did not give me a, a statement i tried a couple times to get see if they even had a statement about this uh they did not uber gave me a statement that was you know pretty consonant with what they'd said um and again i'm like i don't want to be uh sympathetic to a company that is persistently a violator of norms privacy norms and, and rules that are intended to protect people however um i actually think in their case there's no and i said this last week too i don't think there's a benefit that accrues to them tracking devices that helps them in a way that they couldn't do with advertising or when you install the app, they know. So here's the thing, Susie, <laughs> they know when they know the device type you have, they know they your know iPhone, your device type, they know your they device, know they know where you're going. Wiped. So I'm assuming they do so much data mining that if you uninstall Uber and wipe your device and install a fresh operating system and six months later, install a new copy of Uber with a new email address, they can still figure out it's you because they know where you get picked up typically and they know where you they go. They know where you get picked up and dropped off. <laughs> the you can't escape episode. Uber. Oh, you better not tattle. Um, so <laughs> you better not tell. <laughs> oh, that's very good. You got me into two out. So I, I think that actually the, it's plausible that Uber has a lot of other ways to track devices. Because it does this location thing in its app. So anyway, their their argument is we're doing fraud prevention. They didn't speak to the specific allegations, um, but they're trying to prevent stolen credit cards from being used. Uh, driver incentives back when they were competing heavily with uh, 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 the DD uh, Chunk Sing, um, which they've now merged with in China. Uh, so anyway, but it, it sounds like I'm not sure. I mean, I expect Apple is probably going to pay more scrutiny, although it has in the past to this kind of behavior because now it's highlighted. So if anyone else is doing persistent device tracking across erases and fresh installs, we might see that get, you know, there might be some news about that, or maybe there won't be. Um, but Apple is apparently trying to lock down one element, and I think I mentioned this last week, but I, I dug into it a little deeper. There is a secure keychain issue, which is that when an app, if an app uses the secure keychain to st- store data, when the app's uninstalled, that data persists. So when it's reinstalled, it can access it. And there's also some group ID stuff if you're uh, among different apps. And um, so uh, the beta of 10.3, I think beta 2, uh, had um, when apps were uninstalled, the associated secure storage was also deleted and developers were flipping out on it in various forums. I, from what I can tell, uh, people stopped talking about it because the 10.3 release came out and that feature wasn't in there, but I expect maybe they pulled it for unintended consequences. Um, so we might see even that loophole of tracking a user, or sorry, tracking a device across uh, app uninstall and restall, reinstall could disappear as well, because it feels like a loophole. Like if you're deleting it, it says all of the, the uh, data associated with this app will be deleted, and then it doesn't. That's not really what's happening right now um, because that's a secure issue. So that's that story. Um, let's talk about something happier, though. This is a little bit of follow-up because uh, we haven't talked about this specifically. But we've talked about AirPod availability and uh, lack 
thereof. Um, you see uh, Ben Bajaran over at Creative Strategies wrote up um, – I like Ben. He's really um, – he's like such a no BS person um, and I like his dad too. It's kind of like a father-son team over there. Um, they've been uh, writing great analysis of uh, the Apple market. Um, I always go to Tim Bajaran before Ben about – you know I'm like, I want somebody who's a straight shooter. He's just going to tell me something. So I, I just like this fact that they um, – to find out Air- AirPod satisfaction, they went and tried to dig up everybody they could find who had an AirPod. So they didn't like post a thing like, Hey, participate in this survey. They worked with Experian and they like went and tried to contact every person they could find who had bought one. I kind of love that. (laughs) Uh, And they, in the end got 942 people who took the survey and found 98% customer satisfaction with AirPods. Uh, You would be one of those people, right? Yes, I am still very satisfied with the AirPods. It's funny. So I am the most privileged when it comes to headphones. And I have (laughs) AirPods and I also um, have, because I reviewed them. I reviewed the AirPods and I reviewed the Beats X, which um, uh, when Apple announced the AirPods, they also added the same, I think they're calling it the W1 chip to um, three different models of Beats. And the Beats X was the new one, and it's it's a Bluetooth headset, but it has a wire connecting the two um, earbuds. Oh. But that wire also means it has a remote. So it has the same W1 chip to do the super easy pairing with your phone and jump between your different iCloud signed-in devices very well and uh, good battery life and good um, battery life management. It shows up you know, in, in the iOS battery widget and everything. Super nice, just like the AirPods, but it does have a remote on it. So I like that because it's, it's, you know, I can change the volume and, uh, you know, skip podcast commercials and stuff without uh, having to get my phone out, which you can't do with the AirPods. Um, I don't, I'm not willing to control the AirPods with Siri. It doesn't work well enough for me and I'm not an Apple music user. I use um, third-party podcast app and uh, Spotify. So if I can't, you know, use Siri to call up like the exact thing I want and I'm just using her to like navigate around, I'd rather get the phone out um, and Beats saves me from that. But I am satisfied. They're very good. And um, yeah, I think the questions on the survey were, you know, are you satisfied and would you recommend them? And that um, that metric was like through the roof. It was like more people would recommend their AirPods than would recommend their iPhone. Um, so that's that's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I do like them. I would recommend them. People still ask me about them all the time. Like the Beats are not a conversation starter. They're a little dorkier looking and kind of more subtle. <laughs> but the AirPods, funny. people are like, oh, you have those? Like, are those good? Because, yeah. And I mean, you can't you can't just walk in and buy them. I don't think they're still a little scarce no, in the stores. They're, they're, and there's, and yeah, I think they make – my understanding is they're making small supplies available so that they're not totally unavailable. But it means you constantly have to check back. Yeah. I don't think you can pre I don't know if you can do in-store pickup if they if you like watch and they release the inventory you could click and like get it for in-store pickup but yeah, I'm uh, not sure maybe. I think the backlog is 6 weeks still so this has yeah. got to be some I mean we know they were delayed horribly and then they were available in short supply and you got to think this has got to kill Apple to not be able to you know be able to sell as many of these things as people want it still it means to me that what we suspected initially is there's some part of the production process that cannot simply be ramped up like there's something that's not still working right because otherwise after this much time they would have uh so they who knows how much money they're making off it but they also once you know they promised it they introduced it they took the headphone jack away and they're getting you know if this is what experience is finding and uh, creative solutions or strategies rather uh I've got to imagine Apple's internal internal cust sat figures are also also off the roof. So why would you not? You know, they may be in process of re-engineering them to make them more manufacturable. 
Uh, who knows? They're always in a constant state of re-engineering. But I'm sort of stunned by this because you'd think, I mean, the thousand people is a pretty good sample and it wasn't self-selected. They went out to find him. Uh, it just feels like um, 90, like 82% very satisfied, 16% satisfied and like this tiny bars below. And you're like, that is kind of ridiculous yeah. for anything. I mean, I'm not satisfied with anything in life quite. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not even that cynical, but I'm like, I'm like very satisfied is a high bar for me because I'm a cynical tech reviewer and I want things yeah. to be as good as they can be. Uh, but so you I, know, I like if, if you're in the market and you don't want to wait, those Beats headphones are pretty cool. So they have like, they have a big over the air one. They have um, Power Beats 3s, like the sport kind of focused one and then Beats X is just the regular like walking around mm -hmm. one. So if you like a different style of earbud, then the AirPods, um, you know, the, the Beats ones are, are really good. Okay. Who would have thought a couple of years ago that the Beats ones would be less cool than the Apple ones? Right. Yeah. Right. So I think Apple, I mean, we still don't know exactly why Apple bought Beats. Like, I mean, I know the headphone thing, whatever, but it was a lot of money and I still don't quite understand what the advantage was. And I think we're still going to see what that Maybe was. Maybe it's just like the markup on them is ridiculous. Like it's one of the only like good selling gadgets that's like marketed well and also has like just a huge profit margin. And Apple's like, that's a profit margin that fits our company. They paid billions. I got to think part I of know, it was to take, I think it was to take a competitor out of the market and bring they're like $40 headphones. They sell for $300. That's true. But they, you're right. They, they brought it. I mean, they took the, they took the products off somebody, you know, no one else bought them, which is good. And um, they also got some expertise in house. That's, uh, I mean, it's affected how they've done Apple Music. And I mean, Apple yes. Music is, I think Apple Music is a sleeper. We'll find out in the earnings report if Maybe they the get some more details. Maybe the headphones was like a value add where they were like, okay, yeah, I don't like, think it we'll, was about the hardware. we'll give you billions to lock down the head because we really want you for Apple Music. Yeah. And then somebody else doesn't get to buy Beats headphones and have them have an innovative product that makes them seem cool too. So yeah. um, who knows? Apple's got more money than Canada. No, that's not accurate. That is not accurate. Um, <laughs> Speaking of more I money, Canada's like strategic reserves were all held in maple syrup. Susie, I'm bringing a story up just just to um, what's the right word? Like get your goat, get your apple goat. Um, uh, Qualcomm patent story. Let's talk uh, about that. I know you love. This I didn't story even see so you sneak much. that into the lineup. I, I would have deleted it. <laughs> it's it's such a it's not inside you have 30 baseball. Thirty seconds. Go. Okay. <laughs> it's not inside baseball. But here's the thing: is the chip maker Qualcomm and Apple are involved in a, a huge dispute, and Apple has now suspended its payments, which could co uh, contribute to billions of dollars of Qualcomm's earnings. And if it's not resolved, Qualcomm could face a uh, less bright future. And already had to downgrade its earnings for the quarter because of Apple's withholding these uh, payments. There we go. That was that. Oh, that was good. That was only like That's good. 15. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just uh, you know, it's a dispute. Qualcomm's big, big thing, and uh, Apple doesn't want to pay them because they don't believe the patent situation uh, should make them have to pay them. So there we go. Done. But we'll, we'll be watching that. It's not as exciting as, exciting as patent lawsuits in the trial. But it's not as exciting as the trial part of patent lawsuits. This is just the preliminaries. Moving on. Um, OS 10 Doc, which I disagree with the name, so this is now Mac OS, but. Uh, the, uh, the folks at uh, Checkpoint discovered um, and uh, in the wild, and it's this not is clear. This malware. Malware. Yeah. Malware. Um, malware is the kind of clothing you wear to a mall, Susie. Malware. Hot topic. <laughs> exactly. This is a hot topic. So uh, the um, dock is what it's being called, D-O-K. And it's a um, nasty little thing that when you uh, install it, it um, gets in your system. And it's, it does a bunch of stuff, including making sure it will be launched at restart. And uh, then it uh, proxy puts a proxy in so it can observe all of your traffic on your Mac, and it installs a, a special certificate 
that allows it to intercept your SSL TLS traffic. So anything that's encrypted, it can actually read because it has um, used an internal way to use a, a certificate that um, – because you can monitor – I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Macs and other uh, desktop platforms will let you monitor your own traffic. So you can override security settings and install a digital certificate that says, yeah, yeah, trust me. I'm I'm okay for all this stuff. Ignore all the warnings. And um, that's done for like testing and other purposes for enterprises that sometimes need internal certificates for security purposes or whatever. Malware makes use of that and um, and bypasses it. But Susie, this is you know, you know me. I am worried that there's going to be a big uh, malware for Mac, some kind of virus, Trojan horse thingy that will actually spread with very little user intervention and it won't affect just naive users. Um, and it's going to be a big deal. That's why I keep warning people about installing, uh, you know, things like uh, block block, uh, little flocker, which is now called X fence um, from uh, F secure X fence mm-hmm. is free in the current beta form. Um, by the way, X fence is now out in beta, but it cannot, this first release cannot import little flocker rules. So if you've been using little flocker, keep using it until X fence is updated in the near future to uh, import rules. They wanted to get a new release out first that's exactly essentially compatible with the last release of Little Flocker. Anyway, Little Flocker would have helped with this. Block Block would have helped because it would have uh, seen uh, probably seen the uh, installation of a, of a recurring like reboot file um, uh, attempt. And uh, then uh, things like uh, uh, Little Snitch that would monitor weird network activity from apps and scripts and things. Um, so that can help. But this, but Doc, uh, Susie, you got to, you get fished. First, you get email. Then you download a zip file. Then you unzip the zip file. Then you double-click the thing you don't know in the zip file. Then, and I couldn't tell this from checkpoints information. I've been unable to get clarity. I don't know if you have to enter a password to install the thing or it runs. I think it runs and shows a fake error, um, at which point it's installed these various scripts. So it may be using some kind of user-level um, privileges so it does not have to ask for administrative privilege. But uh, at that point, you're kind of Messed up. You've so, already done several dumb things. So if we can avoid doing all those dumb things, you probably won't fall victim to this one. But yeah, it actually, you know, it's it's still good to be informed of for sure. Yeah, it's well, it's a naive user thing. I keep saying, learn about this stuff so you can tell your friends, neighbors, colleagues, uh, family, don't do this because you know it's it's you get a thing. I mean, my I've got family that do this, and it's troubling. But luckily, they haven't been affected yet, so far as I know. And um, it's it's not like smart people can be fished. I mean, as we saw before the election, right, like people is, get fished all the time. It's, it's people. The best thing you could tell people to help, um, like inoculate them against phishing, is you say. And I've said this to my mother-in-law a number of times. It never stuck because she's a trusting person. She's a very smart person. She's a very trusting person. And unless you understand how the global interconnected networking works, maybe it doesn't make sense. But I said every time you get email or any email address can be forged. So when Mm -hmm. it says it's from AOL or from your bank or whatever, you can't trust it. And if it's something that's unlikely, like enter your password or click here for a statement and you've never signed up for statements, it's forged. And it said exactly like if you get an envelope in the mail – how does the post office confirm that the return address on the envelope is really who sent it? It does not. It is exactly yeah. the same thing. So spread that word, folks. Say all email could be forged. So if you get an attachment and it doesn't make any, it doesn't make sense to you, 
especially if it's like warning, you'll be a sous blah. You know, there's a tax bill from the Swiss tax office in, the, in this case, sent in German to Germans, which was confusing. Uh, then don't open it, don't click it, don't do whatever. Consult somebody who you think is technically more sophisticated. Um, remember what happened to John Podesta? His own internal IT staff got it wrong because they didn't actually check what URL he was clicking or someone forgot to put the word don't in, I think was the actual problem. Yeah. They just used the oh, wrong word. Right. They, they said, said it was legitimate. Instead of illegitimate. Yeah. But, yeah. but that should never pass that email system. It should never have gotten through. In that have case. I told the story? My, our company actually, uh, Oh, tell the story. You have not. Yeah. So no, like our, our company, um, IDG, um, whom I'm an employee of and, and Glenn is not, um, uh-huh. sends out, uh, <laughs> fake phishing emails. They try to fish their own employees like as a, you know, like training exercise. So they will send, and I mean like, you know, some of us in the company get more emails than others. So I'm sure I have colleagues that aren't, you know, front facing and get all these PR pitches and stuff all the time and on our million lists. Um, they probably get, you know, just like a dozen emails a day and, and they probably read and respond to all of them. And I get, you know, at least a hundred and I chip away at it, um, but I'm never really caught up. So most of these phishing emails I haven't even seen, but then, <laughs> so they keep track of how many people open the email and then how many people click this like link or open this attachment. And when you do that, it goes to a page being like, oh, gotcha, like you just got fished by the IDG security smart, whatever. Um, And then later they send out another email saying, "Okay, like on whatever day we sent this email that looked like it was a UPS, like, you know, delivery confirmation. You have to open this attachment and verify your address or something and and and." 13% of you opened it. And then they're always telling us like what percent of people opened it because they want us to be more um, suspect of things that we get and to just keep forwarding them all to IT and being like, is this legit? Is this legit? They're like, IT would rather uh, have to check out like 99 legit emails for you and say, yeah, that's that's legit. You can click that then then have you open one. So, um, you know, the Again, the company touches a lot of people of varying levels of uh, um, security uh, savvy. So <laughs> some of us here on the on on the computer end are like, "Oh wow, our own company is trying to fish us," but they're doing it for for good. It's but it's, it, it shows too that even if you know it's happening, you still get taken in. Because Sometimes, yeah, you're reading you're a gonna, lot of yeah. email. You're tired. You haven't had your coffee. You're like, oh, what? I have a package. Like, I better click that and find out more. That sounds weird. And like, whoops, you just got fish. A package of money. You won a million dollars in a lottery, Susie. Click that. Yeah. Quick, click it. Click yeah. it. Yeah. So it's like it's it's not Nigerian princes. All you know, like that's not the only thing. That I guess that's the that's the lesson here that. It's not Nigerian princes. It's true. Yeah, we all know about the Nigerian princes. Princes, so they've moved on to to more plausible sounding. Things. Dear, dear sir slash ma, I am the child of the great dictator Donald's. Oh wait, that's too soon, right? Too soon. Oh, People God. are getting those phishing emails in another country. You're in like France, and it says the email from Ivanka Trump telling you how she needs to get a billion dollars out of the country. That's coming. You know, it's going to happen. Just a few years away. Too political, huh? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted by something on my computer. <laughs> you missed my big jokes. All right, the jokes, question mark. Um, moving on. Oh, so OS ten. So Apple uh, told me that uh, by the time the news broke, really just about, they'd already added um, – oh, oh, so the doc was using a, a legitimate developer certificate, which meant that it bypassed uh, – or Gatekeeper did not block it, the uh, OS ten system, macOS system that prevents unsigned uh, apps from running without additional effort on a user's part. 
to run them. And it wasn't Gatekeeper being hacked. It was working as intended, but this was a legit, you know, they had a key to the gate. Yeah, and this is all, this is kind of these lifespan things. Like because it used a legitimate certificate, Apple revoked it, and now it cannot be launched without that warning that it's an unsigned thing. So not only now would you have to get the zip, download the zip, unzip, launch, you get a warning that says, "Hey, this thing has not been signed." And you're like, "Well," and most users, any user, I think, who is naive enough to go that far, will not figure out the workaround to get it to run, which is a little bit comp- it's not it's non obvious for a reason. Um, and uh, then they also added the uh, – they told me later that XProtect, the invisible malware signature system that's been built into the Mac's uh, operating system for a while, was also updated as well. So even if you do bypass that uh, developer certificate not correct thing and you launch it, it will uh, not work correctly. It will say it's damaged, I think, or something. Uh, but it won't work. So um, – but I think this demonstrates the – it's like the compartmentalization and the uh, immune resistance of Mac OS is that because Apple has multiple ways of blocking people, kind of fencing them in. So you're already starting where somebody had to steal a legitimate uh, – like access to a legitimate developer account or set one up so they're trackable or it's revocable. And then Apple can just push a button and like every Mac gets updated instantly with the signature. So there's not like a third party update mechanism push thing. It just happens. Um, and even the phishing, excuse me, the phishing, this was apparently targeted uh, checkpoint says at Mac users. So somehow, um, there's been enough security breaches that there may be, uh, lists of people like, uh, iCloud addresses and so forth that, uh, can just be acquired that are now out kind of floating around there. So, you know, these people are more likely to use Macs or they're tracking stuff against browsers or whatever. And, uh, Using that, so even with all that, there's no report of you know massive outbreak of this being in place, but it was in the wild, and some people are naive. But like all Trojan horses, they just uh, and with all these limitations, this is not the thing I worry about. I worry about some other method of mass spread, especially machine to machine, that will um, target some kind of network weakness and allow um, you know a network of computers on a university or something to get hit over rendezvous. Or, I mean, bonjour. I'm so old, I call bonjour rendezvous. That's how old I am, Susie. (laughs) Moving on, though, something newer um, and less (laughs) virus-laden. Story this week. It was very interesting. I thought I saw this, and I wasn't surprised because I don't own an Apple Watch, um, that uh, a lot of the big apps have been abandoning Apple Watch. And that's bad news because Watch OS 3 was supposed to be the big revision that made it more uh, reasonable and feasible to uh, do freestanding stuff like native watch apps. And uh, I still hear a lot from people, the, the people I know who like their watch best run, don't really run apps on it. They do things that the watch does best and then is not running apps. Um, Susie, so what's going on with this? Are, are you concerned that this will affect the future of, of uh, the watch or watch OS? Um, yes and no. Uh, so, so yeah, Apple insider noticed this. Um, there were some, uh, Pretty major apps like Google Maps, Amazon, and eBay were three of them um, that they noticed. Where the um, you know so the, the Apple Watch OS kind of uh, the Apple Watch app kind of piggybacks on the iOS app. Like you have an iOS app and it says has an Apple Watch app, and then you can choose whether or not to actually install the Apple Watch counterpart on your watch. Um, so these companies are updating their iOS apps and just quietly removing the Apple Watch part. So. Um, that, you know, and then not saying anything about it. So Apple Insider noticed, and I think it, you know, might have taken people a while to notice because, yes, Apple Watch apps are not popular. Um, but some of them kind of work better than others. So um, I'm working on um, 
uh, in the run up to WWC, we're going to be doing like wish lists for what we'd like to see from the different um, software OSs that we're going to get uh, previews of. So um, I was thinking about, you know, watch OS 4 and, and how Apple can reverse this. Is it watch OS 4 are we on? Um I've yeah, lost yeah, track. Is it WatchOS yes, 4? Yes, I, oh, I think it was, should be. Sorry, WatchOS 3 was the... We're on WatchOS 3 now. We're, we're moving to WatchOS 4, Yeah, because right? 3 was the big... Um, isn't that funny? I can't remember. Well, they came out... It's funny because of tvOS and all the rest of it. They came out with WatchOS 3 a while ago, not last fall. Excuse me, but in... Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. It was... Gosh, I have lost track of things. WatchOS 3... This is the cycle of the problem. It did come out mm-hmm. in September 2016 yeah. along with all the other updates. Okay. Um, right. Yes. Okay. All right. So WatchOS 4, looking ahead... Um, I think that Apple should work with the developers who make the best apps, and that's not Google Maps. I mean, I didn't really realize that Google Maps had a watchOS app. Um, I use navigation on my watch all the time, but I just use Apple Maps because I figured that's what it, that's what would work. Um, so maybe you know, yeah, I kind of feel like I missed the boat on Google Maps. But Amazon and eBay, like I don't know, like things where you have to do a lot of tapping holding your arm up, like, you know, those could be notifications at best. And you don't need an app on your installed on your watch to get notifications from an iOS app on your phone. Um, So, yeah, I think Apple should uh, sit down with the developers who make the apps that really, really work. And those include um, really quick logging things, food and exercise. I have a sleep tracker on my watch. I have a hydration app on my watch where I can just log like how much water I'm drinking during the day and then it'll nudge me um, when it's time to drink more, anything sensor-based, anything that's using the sensors. And then controlling home gadgets is super handy from the watch um, because you don't have to get out your phone. The watch is just kind of always on you. So I think Apple should sit down with those developers and powwow and be like, what can we do to help you guys make these apps even better? Because these are the ones people use. And they have to sort of get that like not all the apps that are in the on the watch really should be there and make sense. Right. Um, and then complications have been huge, and those got a lot better in WatchOS 3, but I'd like to see them go for- further because um, the best use cases for the watch are the ones where you don't even have to touch it. Like you just pull it up and it you know lights up. But I've been – so I, I, I have lots of complications on mine. I've got the temperature. I've got um, the home app, like a sh- shortcut to the home app so I can um, deal with my home kit lights and some other stuff. But I – I I like um, watch faces where you can cram a lot more complications on them, but they still look really good. So just anything they can do to make those better. Um, Notifications are really good on the watch because, again, it's a very glanceable thing. It buzzes, you look down, there's the info, and you're done. Um, Apple's apps makes them uh, a little more actionable. Like you could um, send back like a thumbs up when someone sends you a tweet that they're running late or whatever, and you don't have to do that from your phone. If you're going to, you know, write back a whole thing like oh my god girl i can't believe what she's wearing like you would want to get your phone out for that but if you're just like gotcha see you later um the pre-written responses on the watch are good so more actionable notifications for third-party apps and that Mm -hmm. will help them want to stay in the store if they can if they can uh just just get you in and out from the notification screen and then um siri needs to be better um for third-party apps and this is going to be a a refrain i want to hear a lot from (laughs) siri at wwc because like it's gonna that i mean i'm getting ahead of ourselves our our next thing is there's a rumor that the siri speaker is going to come out yeah um a a siri speaker would be great but i mean the amazon and the google home they have a lot more robust third-party 
integrations and SDKs. Apple's kind of dipped its toe into that with Siri, but they're really like locked in, locked out. And Siri is still too siloed on the Apple side. So, yeah. you know, the my Apple TV has the Siri remote and I can use Siri to find stuff, but I can't pick up Siri on my phone and say, bring, you know, I want to watch Star Wars on my Apple TV. Like that's that those are two different devices, even though I'm talking to Siri the whole time. I can't so, even get AirDrop to work in continuity, yeah. you know, I, much less I'm sounding so aggrieved, but it's like, I mean, right. That Apple needs to improve its integration. Like, I mean, the watch, yes, definitely. And the TVOS, but it's across everything. It needs much more reliably. I'm standing here yeah. with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi on with my phone in front of my, I'm just a guy with a phone in front of a computer telling it I love it and it won't listen. <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean I think the watch should have like the best Siri experience of all because it's with you all the time and it you know it, the watch in theory can interface with like all these other devices. So my watch Siri on my watch should be able to control my Apple TV. It should be able to look things up on my phone like if you try to, you know, Google search something with Siri, you can only do that on the phone or on your Mac. If you do it on the watch, the watch is like, I can't do that. You need to get your phone out. And that's rude. Um, So, um, yeah. So Siri, I need to hear a lot about um, Apple's plans to make Siri work better for developers and just work better across the ecosystem and not keep it in all these little silos. So that's what I'm looking for for Watch OS 4. That is a lot of stuff. Yeah, and to, I'm gonna. What about speed and I'm performance? I'm sort of working though? through my own notes right now. Like I'm, I'm writing this up, and it's going to be on the site tomorrow. So I'm just sort of workshopping it here with you guys. What about the? Um, what about the? <laughs> what do you uh, think? <laughs> it's very we'll funny. Work out it's very funny. Some other tight. stuff, but for third-party developers, I think Apple could be doing a lot more. It's very funny, but the first part of the set needs to be a little tighter, a little more, a few more jokes. <laughs> um, the, uh, so what about performance, though? I don't feel like I heard you talk about, uh, like, you know. Well, I mean, that's kind of a gimme. Like, but yeah, I think isn't that part of the problem? Battery life should go longer. But but it seems like that's part of the issue. Like the reason it's just people are frustrated still, even with the best written optimized native. But I don't think that's why they're not using apps. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the apps are, yeah, the apps are still a little slow, but it's mostly like, it's almost like a, it's a screen size thing and just like a holding your arm up thing. Like anything that's going to take more than like a (laughs) couple of seconds, a couple of taps is bad. And as we've seen the developers, go from watchOS to watchOS 2 to watchOS 3, they've made big strides on that. I remember um, Marco Arment wrote some things about redesigning yeah, his podcast yeah. app and then the glance for it when they were still doing like glances and apps. Now they've, they've sort of stopped doing that because that was a dumb idea. So we're getting closer, right? But um, yeah, we, we're not we're not quite there yet. So yeah, and and and, and I think it's going to be it's going to be like a thinning of just the the number of apps that are available. Apple likes to brag about how many apps they have on the phone, how many apps they have on the tablet. I think the watch is going to be a different thing where mm-hmm. like, you, like I actually counted last night when I was writing this article. Um, I opened up the watch app and it shows you or the the watch app on my phone. It shows you all the different iPhone apps that you have installed that have a watch counterpart. And like, do you want to install these? I counted them. I have 50. There's 50 apps on my phone that want to put an app on my watch, guess how many I have installed? Uh, five? Four. <laughs> That's 8%. That's an 8% conversion rate. But I mean, like, you know, of these 50 apps, like only, you know, maybe 15 of them, 20 of them actually like need a watch app. So, so I think we are going to see 
developers abandoning their watch apps like eBay and Amazon have. But I don't think that that is necessarily a bad thing. I think it's probably just usage. Like no one's using these. Why devote resources to developing and updating them? But I mean, I think that's okay. Like, I don't think that's going to damage the platform as long as Apple is doing its best to help the developers who kind of, you know, have a reason to be there and want to be there, um, make the best apps they can that are just glanceable on the watch face complications, actionable notifications, and not, you know, I, I should never have to go to the dock and actually open an app from the dock and use the app. I just don't want to hold my arm up that long. It's not a good experience. That's um, all. This sounds reasonable. I don't know. I don't own a watch. I don't own an Apple watch. I just don't think it's. So I don't think I don't it's know. necessarily bad news for the platform. It's just like it's a. It's part of the evolution. No, they, well, I think right. It's. I mean, the watch. Like, okay, so Apple TV was famously discussed as or called by Steve Jobs a hobby for a long time, and I would say the current Apple TV. I, you know, I use it all the time. So we've talked about this a number of times. Um, as irritating as aspects of it are, I use it all the time. I use it and I have other options I could use. I could be uh, AirPlay streaming from an iOS device instead of using Apple TV. I could be um, using my Samsung terrible TV, but it has Amazon and Netflix built in. So I didn't have to use, I don't have to use the Netflix app um, in Apple TV, but I use it there. So I have options even with the setup I have and, um, and I still turn to it. So I would say Apple TV fourth generation has kind of matured. It's not there, but it's, you know, it's definitely a product that is much further along than the third generation, right? And it's much mm-hmm. better integrated. The watch for as, I think as slick as it is, I still come back to that thing of like the watch hardware, no complaints. It's the, the OS still hasn't figured out entirely what it is. Watch OS 3 is a better realization of what it should have been from the beginning, and they didn't understand what they were doing, which is fine. It's an exploration, and the, because the devices were all upgradable to Watch OS 3 didn't mean users lost out. Early adopters went through multiple iterations, and they got something ultimately that was closer to what the, let's say, the more correct vision was like. Like, this is, makes a lot more sense. So. It's still maturing, but I mean, I think if you bought an Apple Watch, you knew you were getting into an early generation thing. Absolutely. You'd have to endure. And, um, you know, I, I'd lost my um, Fitbit. I've had one for four years. And I can send you one, y'all. Well, no, here's the thing. I actually had a spare one because one of them, I had a, I have a, I have two Fitbits. I had one about a year ago. It stopped doing elevation correctly and I reported it to the company and they're like, oh, we'll just send you another one. I'm like, Okay, like that's where they are in terms of trying to keep them alive. <laughs> okay, so they did, and they put my old one away somewhere. And then uh, I, I had, I didn't lose either of them. Obviously, after four years, it finally fell out of my pocket somewhere. And um, so I was like, ah, I don't really. Well, I guess I'm past tracking. I don't really do that much with it. I've internalized it, and I realized I hadn't. I stopped moving as much. I stopped looking for the steps as a externalized authority to help me make sure that as a you know a home worker with a standing desk and a treadmill that I'm not being a lump. And uh, so I powered up my old um, Fitbit. And what's ironic is I think the elevation works correctly now. <laughs> so yeah. whatever. But the step count always worked. And that, and it's actually, and I can tell at the end of the day, I'm like, or, you know, be like middle of the day. And I'm like, man, I need to get a few thousand more steps in. And it does motivate me to be more active. But yeah. I was on the verge of thinking like, well, maybe this is time to get an Apple Watch when the next generation ships. Maybe I'll get an Apple Watch and rely on it for fitness tracking and get all the the benefits. So they haven't totally, they haven't alienated me with my first experience in holding only watch for a few months, uh, back in the, uh, watch OS two. I even, I didn't last to watch OS three even. Um, so yeah. you know, we'll see. Um, watch OS three made a, made a big difference. And, um, 
Just an interest, another interesting tidbit when you were talking about um, the Apple TV 4. So when the the first um, Apple Watch launched, and that's the one I'm still wearing every day, um, I was able to control the previous generation of Apple TV Ooh. with it. Um, and the new Apple TV that got its own Apple oh, TV yeah, yeah. remote app, that new Apple TV remote app on the iPhone, which is wonderful, does not have an Apple Watch app. Whoa. So, yeah, you know, even Apple isn't making Apple Watch apps for all of their apps, which is crazy because that's actually a thing that the Apple Watch is good at. Like it's it's a pretty decent remote for controlling other gadgets if you don't have to, you know, hold it up and and tap it a ton. (laughs) And again, maybe they're waiting for Siri to be able to do that for you. So we'll see. WWDC is going to be interesting this year. And if you're just another fitness trackers, Caitlin McGarry has a uh, roundup of uh, the best, which includes the Apple Watch, but includes some other alternatives too. Yeah, and then uh, she um, reviews all of those and updates it every time she that's puts great. up a new review. So oh, is that that's an update? I mean, one stop uh, shopping. Yeah. So there's one. It just came. It just went up again. Um, well, let's talk about the. Uh, let's finish up. Uh, but with uh, there's been a uh, rumor that feels uh, fairly well. It feels strong. This is not a speculative thing where people uh, invented 3D drawings, but it's coming. We did a story, and Michael Gartenberg tweeted it and said. Source is good, and a little birdie told me the same thing. So fascinating. So the so the uh, Apple might you know it's been it's been rumored for a while. I mean, a it's been suspected for a while because Amazon Echo has been. Extreme. Dan Morin's written like three columns yeah. on it already. Well, yeah, Dan is such a he is an Echo fan. Although he, he does cannot not, he is wait. Not interested in the Echo look, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but it's been it's been you know obviously Amazon ha- Amazon did not. I, I love the Amazon Echo because it wasn't designed as a product to do what it did and it's it famously there's some really good um like outside history written about it where they intended it to be something sort of different and then they did course correction really thought about it and it evolved and it took the time internally to be a mature product decision so they didn't put out an amazon fire phone the homer simpson of all uh, uh, a car of all phones um <laughs> and uh, it was kind of a cool phone but side, the homer was a very cool car sidebar i was at a bar doing trivia with some friends and uh at a friend wife and she had a big Bart Simpsons tattoo. She's never given up on the Simpsons even during the dark days. So Amazing. There you go. Uh, so uh, <laughs> and I think I made a Homer Simpson car reference too at the, at the trivia night. So um, you know, Amazon Echo came out of an interesting internal process where they didn't quite know what they had. They matured it and then they released it and I think it's been unexpectedly big hit for them. I don't think they thought it would be received as um, broadly and well. Uh, you know, hey, let's stick a speaker in your house that can play music and listen to everything you say. You'd think that might be a hard sell in like 2014 or whatever it was introduced. Um, and then they've expanded and they've really embraced the developer ecosystem, which they've done with fire as well. And other things, mm-hmm. they, it's the only way they can succeed. Um, and even though they've pushed back against like putting the Amazon video app in Apple TV and other things, they've messed around with that. Uh, there are so many echo, um, what are they called? Not integrations or, uh, there's a term they use in that world, but and uh, every time there's a conference or an announcement, or whatever, it's like all these things and these things all work with Echo. So, yeah, you can like transfer money around from your bank. You can order a pizza. Like, I mean, it works with every different like music service and and news app, and and it's just it's it's a lot more open, and they're really courting um, um, third-party integrations in a way that Apple hasn't. Amazon has all kinds of services, too, that compete directly with the ones they're letting Echo you know, connect with. And we haven't seen any real disputes there yet, from what I can tell about them blocking people. Uh, so you know, obviously, Apple would love to get in on this because you know, there's Google Home, there's Amazon Echo. You need an Apple 
um, s- you know, Sistema or whatever they're going to call something. And um, Apple Friend, Apple Eve. And uh, so there's rumors that Apple will have it's, – you know, it's gotten stronger and stronger that they're developing something. And the rumor is that we might see this at WWDC. It might unveil, unveil – what this would look like. And it sounds like pretty sophisticated. The latest rumor was that they'd have a seven speakers and a subwoofer in the thing. So the sound quality would be very high and it would be a higher price point and considered like a higher touch item than the Echo. Um, because Amazon is using the Echo as a pathway to all its services, to third parties, and to things it sells, where Apple it's more integrated into what you have and what you want to know because Apple doesn't sell as much. So it's um, it has to be more like a you know a cool home device, not a sales portal. Hmm, yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, if that makes it more expensive, then maybe it's like a one one per household model. Where I think Amazon really wants you to put a bunch of these. You know, have like one in the bedroom, one in the kitchen. Well, they have that dash thing now that's got a worse. Uh, the that's sound system true. They isn't have good sort on of, it, but yeah, it's so cheaper. You can kind of mesh a whole system together. Yeah, I mean, if they all did Wi-Fi, like, I don't even know. The Echo doesn't do it. Like, if somebody would release a smart device like that, well, A, we are never, let me just say this. In my house, we are never going to have a device that listens to us all the time. I'm with you. We barely tolerate Siri. My wife is, um, you know, I think I've mentioned this before. She's the early rejector in the household. And and it's just really good. Um, she's, she's dubious and cynical about motivations of corporations. I am not like, um, yes, everything is great and companies ever do anything wrong or you misuse our information. Uh, but I'm more eager to test things or like, oh, it'd be cool. Yeah, me if we too. Had. I'm like, look what it does. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. was your husband say, yeah, yeah. Okay. So where's well, the information he's just more, He's a little more of a natural Luddite. Like he'll come on board, but he doesn't like want to, but yeah, he, he, he's not like paranoid about like, oh, like they're all spying on us, but he's just like, why can't I just turn the light on with my hands? Yeah. It's right. We don't have our house. We have a dumb house. I've been testing. Yeah. Smart. I've been testing. It's actually. I had I, to drag him into like the smartphone world, like kicking and screaming. He was like, I just want my old phone. He's like, once I get this, I can never go back. Yeah, it's I true. Want, well, I just wise. don't want to move forward if I can't move back. Your husband is a wise man. It's I know. good to, ha- it's I love good to him have. So much. Oh, it's sweet. It's good to have. Uh, it's really sweet. <laughs> it's real emotion in podcast folks. It happens. <laughs> it's a, this isn't, you know, finding Richard Simmons, but we'll get there. Um, the uh, it's it's great to have a partner when you're a techno uh, nerd like we are who is a little bit less techno um yeah so i i so we're never gonna have one in our house but i understand why people like them and i but i would say like i'm i'm missing the value of um why don't these things act as like mesh wi-fi nodes too like give me if if you if amazon i mean it would be a hard sell if amazon said this is a 802.11 ac you know simultaneous dual band whatever which it doesn't it doesn't you know and it also has all the echo features in a speaker and these little dash things are satellite relay mesh nodes the cost is actually i mean you look at these things like when Euro apple and- pulled the airport extreme i think either dan or jason wrote a column being like what if the airport extreme uh-huh. is the siri speaker like what it makes sense because apple has to differentiate differentiate a wi-fi base station there is no point in selling uh what are they the 180 bucks is the apple uh airport extreme price and the time machine even more with you know relatively high capacity drives, but the price is still very high compared to other uh, points and um, price points. So you know I can get a hundred dollar base station that's as good as Apple's, or I'm sorry, I could probably get a fifty dollar base station that has all the features the Airport Extreme has with with less ease of use. Or if I want to spend three hundred bucks, I can get like three or somewhere between two fifty and four hundred. I think I can get 
three mesh nodes and mm-hmm. not have to configure them at all. And I'm only paying slightly more than one airport extreme or an airport extreme plus a, an express. So Apple can't, unless they're releasing something that's mesh based, they can't compete in the Wi-Fi front and they don't want to, they don't want to be in businesses where everything has been commoditized. That's why I was yeah. surprised they were going to get back into the monitor business. But um, it actually makes sense because they're only going to do super high end monitors. Yeah. When they when they put 5K into the iMac, it was because you couldn't buy, there's no other integrated system. You could barely buy a 5K monitor. I don't know how many were available when the iMac came out with it. That was incredible differentiation. Mm-hmm. And it meant it pushed the iMac forward as a line. So um, anyway, if what, whatever Apple does, I think will be... Uh, will be much more exciting or it'll be a big failure. <laughs> <laughs> One of those two things. Um, the other part here is that I don't think Siri is very good relative to the other services. I mean, I, I'm being trained out of it slowly because every time I use it, I mean, I just asked, you know, I say, ahoy telephone. It's little quips are so annoying. Oh my God. Why is it? I've ranted about that here before. You have. And I'm like, just the other day, I'm like, ahoy telephone, you know, set a timer for 90 minutes. It's like set and counting down. I'm like, oh my God, shut up. If you tell it like, uh, what is the the egg timer? Like three minutes? If you tell it three minutes, it's like, don't overcook that egg. And I'm like, my son is having a tantrum and I'm putting him in timeout. But yes, thank you for quitting about me cooking an egg and it's also like i it it, <laughs> it might be funny the first time it may be um there's a there's a bit in um the moon is a harsh mistress the robert heinlein uh classic sci-fi novel where there's a kind of nascent artificial intelligence system on the moon and it's starting to achieve sentience or maybe it has quietly achieved sentience and this computer technician is kind of its only friend uh and um he's trying to teach him about humor and you know the the ai has read all the humor in the world and um or in the universe or whatever. And it's telling jokes and he's like, okay, that's kind of like a funny once joke. Like if you tell it again, it's not funny anymore. And I'm like, how do we get to 2017 and Siri doesn't understand what uh, Mycroft uh, on the moon understood in the 1960s in speculative fiction or 1950s even. 1960s. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I'm frustrated with Siri too. I try not to use it. I've turned off Hey Siri a lot. Um, not because of like I'm worried that it's you know listening to me and it's a privacy thing but because I notice that it's listening because if I'm watching TV and I watch a lot of Real Housewives and they're always getting in fights and one of them will say seriously and my Siri devices will oh, all bleep on good so gravy. yeah no. so I had to turn off hey Siri on on all of them um but anyway um what uh, what might work um with this thing since yeah I mean Apple isn't trying to you know have you use this as a grocery list like Amazon would and just, you know, here's all the things I want to buy from Apple um, since they're not selling you quite as many things. One thing that they are selling you, I mean, their services line keeps going up every quarter, um, is Apple Music. And this could just like maybe they'll just start it out as like the ultimate Apple Music system. And that's why they're going to put so many speakers in it. That's why they're going to try to make it sort of high end because they're going to be like, look, a lot of you guys use your Amazons and Echoes and Sonos and stuff to listen to music. But we're going to we're going to do that better by integrating it into iOS in a way that Sonos would never be mm-hmm. and putting Siri in it, but giving you, um, you know, the, the quality, you know, the sound quality that your echo could never deliver. So, um, cause Siri is pretty good at Apple music. Like if you are an Apple music subscriber, you can call up pretty much anything with Siri. And if you get good at it, 
um, playlists and, and, and starting new playlists and, you know, shuffling and, and all that stuff. See, I use all third party stuff. So I'm using a third party podcast app and I'm using Spotify. So I can kind of use Siri to sort of navigate. I can say like next track, previous track, pause, you know, that, but I, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't call up like, you know, exact things. So I think the big selling point for the speaker could be if you have Apple Music, like this is the ultimate way to experience it in your home. Like it's basically like right, AirPods right. for your living room. And they could just try it, try it that way first and then and then add on more integrations. So it wouldn't be competing like directly with Echo because like they were like, you know, yeah, the Echo can order you a pizza, but like, you know, we're going to play you Exile on Main Street as it was meant to be heard. exactly (laughs) which is on vinyl but whatever we're not going to argue about that you're funny but i understand (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, that that might be how they position it at first just as the the ultimate apple music system and then maybe they could mesh it they could be like okay and it can also send music to your other airplay speakers if we remember those um and uh i don't know well it's interesting too because sonos was one of the um you know most successful uh, it's kind of one of the most successful Apple spinoffs at one level. Like I'm trying to think of one that's been more successful. I mean, not spinoffs. Everyone but a, wants Apple to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense because a lot of ex- they, they've developed. It makes more a, sense than buying Beats. Yeah. And, they, and there's also, they had a year ago, they had a bunch of layoffs and I don't know um, how they've re- rebounded from that. I haven't heard anything mm. in the, the meantime, but I think it's been. Everyone um, loves the Sonos app, but what yeah. if you like the Sonos app was just like iOS wide? Like if it was just there. Yeah. And if they could take some of their mesh, you know, they could just take the entire sound system and stick it into a new kind of thing. I mean, they've, they've figured out how to do this really well. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's a market there. It's again, it's surprising that Apple didn't buy them earlier because it's, but because of the music focus and then build, uh, an echo like product around Sonos as opposed to building something from scratch, but we know how that works. Cause Apple's gotten really good at, I mean, like the, Send the air. People ask me sometimes about the AirPods. They're like, "Is it always like just perfectly in sync? Does the yeah. music ever get out?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, it never gets out of sync. Like that would be terrible. Like that's the first thing that they nailed. Like it's it's always always in sync. You don't need a wire, and that's kind of what Sonos does, right? Like you can yeah, send music yeah. to two different speakers at once. That's just AirPods on a bigger scale. So yeah. maybe Apple doesn't need them. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, we'll we'll find out. I mean, uh, WWDC is still weeks away, so we. Have- I can't wait. I'm getting wait. really excited. Um. I think we hit. I think we've hit our hit our mark. Nothing else to discuss, right? We're no, that's good. It's good. Boom. WWC. Boom. Um, so yeah, I'll finish my thing about WatchOS four. If you have any other ideas, tweet me, <laughs> and that'll be up when the podcast is up. So and uh, for helping me workshop it. <laughs> yeah, and so while you're listening to this, you've already heard the Apple uh, earnings announcements and have you know have been gnashing your teeth or celebrating an opening champagne or uh, spoiler they made money. They lots made of money. Them. They made more money than a lot of other companies and they their sold prof- iPhones. Their profit was bigger than the uh, you know half of the rest of the Fortune 500 probably. Sold put some together. Max. Yep. So that's it. We don't ever need to cover. We can just kind of talk generically about it. They're excited about the products in the pipeline. That's right. And and they probably gave some color on the analyst call. Can we get some color about the... um, India is important. China is important. China is a growing important market. We're still working on the blah-de-blah. Something, um, something, taxes. Supply chain is still robust. Constant um, currency. There we go. We could just just simulate the call. That earnings call bingo, the drinking game. Uh, This is Tim. This This is Tim. And uh, for that, I don't know what happens if you say, does, does the tele, does a Hoy telephone respond if you say, this is Tim? 
Uh, this is Tim. I can't do his accent. I can't do an Alabama. I can do a Memphis. But folks, this is Tim is hard to say in a Southern accent. It's not this enough. is Tim. This is Tam. I'm just trying to picture that conversation between uh, uh, Uber's CEO and Tim Cook. It would have been great. Would have loved to been a fly on that wall, but I would have been hit with some kind of iFly zapper probably. Um, I bet they scan for bugs. Uh, folks, thanks again for thanks first time and again for listening. Susie, great to talk with you again. You too. It's been a pleasure. And uh, this has been episode 557 of the Macworld Podcast for May 3rd, 2017. You can find us at Macworld.com, Facebook.com slash Macworld, podcast at Macworld.com. We'll get to us via email. Susie is S-F-S-O-O-Z like Z on Twitter. And I'm Glenn F, G-L-E-N-N-F like Frank. Uh, I have been and remain Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and we will look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you.